0: Dad, I really had fun yesterday.
1: What did you do, Johnny? That was so much
0: fun. I played with the new detective set you got me, which came with this awesome outfit and mustache.
1: You did? I'm glad that you enjoyed it. But I've been hearing things about you, school, that maybe requires some detective work.
0: What have you been hearing?
1: Some of the things that I've been hearing is that you cut in line at the water fountain. You move coats on the coat rack so that you can have one next to the door. Well, Your teacher says you've been daydreaming instead of studying. You were the first one to the door at lunch and the last one in when you had to stay during recess to finish the schoolwork you should have been doing during class time. And you said, no fair.
2: I still had fun with the detective set. Did you know that everything you touch leaves a print behind?
1: Oh, I know, son, I know. The kind of prints that you have been leaving behind these days. Now, what kind?
0: The same kind as always, of course, your fingerprints.
1: They don't change. That's true, that's true. But wherever you go, you leave other prints, too. Let's call them, hmm, life prints. Life prints? Yeah, life prints. Everything you do makes an impression or life print on other people. We do? What kind of prints do you think you've been making this week on your teachers and the kids in school? Hmm. Unlike fingerprints, we can change the kind of life prints we make, but we need God's help.
0: Well, it won't be easy, but I'm going to pray to
2: God and ask him to
1: help me. What about you, boys and girls? What kind of life prints are you making? Do others see selfishness, laziness in your prints? Or do they see kindness, courtesy, faithfulness, and friendliness?
0: I wonder if they're like me, and the kids didn't see Jesus in me. Ask God to help you live in such a way that the prints you are leaving behind are a good testimony for God.
1: All right, boys and girls, at this time, we'd like to invite you to go join your parents nice and slow, okay? It was fun to have you join us today, and we're looking forward to seeing you next time. Bye, boys and girls.
2: Well, good morning, LifeSpring. Uh, my name is Ashley, if you don't know me. I am the children's director here. And, uh, man, I don't know about you, but I was blubbering like a baby during worship because it was so amazing to see people of all generations leading us in worship this morning. Church, this is our church, all generations. All right, well, I have a word for you this morning um, called Influencing a Generation. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit. But first I want to point us to that puppet show. Wasn't that puppet show so great? Yeah, right? Now I want to highlight one line that they said in that puppet show. Uh, The dad said, everything you do makes an impression or life print on other people. So I want to ask you, church, what kind of life print are you leaving on people? What kinds of life prints are being left on your children? Let me phrase this question differently. Are you proud of the impression you are leaving on those who look up to you? Do your words and actions speak life and cause others around you to grow, or do your words and actions smother and hinder those around you? So today we're talking about influence, specifically the influence that we leave on Gen Z. Now Gen Z is anybody born between about 1994, 1995 to about 2014, 2015. And students, the influence that you are leaving and will continue to leave on the younger generation. It is family service, after all. So just like our puppets learned about how we can negatively and positively impress on those around us, we will learn how our godly influence can impact a generation. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it, okay? Well, Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning, God. I thank you for this opportunity to speak your word, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me this morning. Lord, and that we would be able to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, before we dive into influence and everything that has to go with that, I want to look at two people who used their influence to impact a generation. One of them, Adolf Hitler, used it negatively, and the other one, Henrietta Mears, used it positively. Now, to give you a little bit of a background, Hitler was the leader of the Nazi party and rose to power to become the dictator of Germany in 1933. From there, he was was the face of probably one of the most horrific genocides in history. While rising to power in 1926, he started what looked like a wilderness club for children called Hitler Youth. It quickly became popular, and by 1939, had over 90% of German children involved. What started as something that looked like Boy Scouts turned into a military camp pumping out incredibly obedient and loyal soldiers to the Third Reich. The youth became so indoctrinated that when some parents opposed Hitler youth, their own children denounced them. Even propaganda throughout Germany was targeted at children. Now on the positive side, Henrietta Mears was a powerful Christian educator, evangelist, and author who greatly impacted how Sunday school is done today. Mears took over a Sunday school of 450 people in 1928 and, by 1933, had grown it to a lively ministry of 6,000 people spanning birth through adults. Over the course of her lifetime, at least 400 church and ministry leaders came from her influence, most notably Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, Jim Rayburn, founder of Young Life, Ronald Reagan, the 40th president of the United States, and Billy Graham, a well-known evangelist. She also founded Light Publications, which is still in print today. Now, both of these leaders, while wildly different, both understood the impact of starting with young people in order to influence a generation, in order to change their world. Hitler made the decision to use his influence for evil, and Mears made a decision to use her influence for Jesus, an influence that's making an impact still today. So the first point I want to make is that influencing a generation starts in the home. And I've got a video for you. Um, I'm going to play it in just a minute. But uh, this video is um, of a young lady named Isa who's in the youth collective that meets on Wednesday nights. And she is going to uh, share a verse with you.
0: Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord.
2: Awesome. So, uh, like I said, influencing a generation starts in the home. And Ephesians 6:4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Now, I read this verse and I was like, okay, I've heard this verse a lot, but I had a hard time figuring out how anger uh, tied in with discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I was trying to figure out, okay, if we don't bring up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, how does that make them angry? I couldn't find the connection. So I looked into the Greek a little bit to, under, to better understand what this verse is talking about. And I rewrote the verse um, a little bit differently based on what the Greek said. And, it, and I wrote, Fathers, do not anger or enrage your children, but rear them up to maturity in the whole training, the education, and the mild rebuke and warning of the Lord. But I still couldn't figure out why that word anger. So I, looked at, I did a little bit more research, and uh, what I found was that children need their parents to guide them in life because they are still learning. When we deprive them of discipline and training, they can feel disrespected, which can lead to anger. So the word here could be implying that when we as parents forget our roles, when we neglect our responsibility to train our children in God's ways, and when we let them figure out and make crucial life decisions on their own, we are actually disrespecting them and causing them to be angry toward us. Now, if that's the outcome that we don't want, how do we change that? How do we leave life prints on our children that cause them to grow closer to Jesus instead of causing them to be angry toward us and God? And given the fact that most children make a decision to follow Christ between the ages of 4 and 14, a parent's influence is invaluable. Are there any parents who are doing it right? Now, a few years ago, I heard about something that Muslim parents do, and it impacted the way that I view influence. It's called the Muslim Birthrights, and I'm going to read to you what it says. The Muslim call to prayer, which is, God is great, there is no God but Allah, Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, come to prayer. These are the first words that a newborn Muslim baby should hear. They are whispered into the right ear of the child by his or her father. Now... When I first heard this, I wasn't married yet, I didn't have my own children, but it left an impression on me. Now the Muslim religion is the fastest growing religion in the world, and they understand that to influence a generation, you have to start with the children in the home from the day they are born. So I thought, I can do that. I can influence my children. I can leave godly life prints on them. I can educate them in the ways of the Lord. So when both of our girls were born I leaned down and I very quietly but clearly whispered in their ear Jesus loves you. If I can help my child from a young age hear that Jesus loves them if I could remind them of that it would be all worth it. Even though it would be years before they would ever understand what those three impactful words mean it was written in their minds and on their hearts. Sorry. Now Beyond birth, what do we do? Because that's all great, but some of our kids are older than that. So it's important to know a few things about child development. A child's worldview starts forming as early as 18 months. And I would argue that that's even earlier for some kids. And a child's moral foundation is usually formed by the age of 9. And at 13, their worldview is set in stone. Now, they usually have a re-evaluation in their teens and again in their twenties, but when tracking the religious beliefs and behaviors from childhood into adulthood, it rarely changes. That's a lot of pressure on our parents, and it really makes you think about what and who we are allowing to leave life prints on them. Now, as a parent of young children myself, this stuff is heavy, and it hurts my heart. It scares me into making sure that my husband and I are working together to respect our children and point them to Jesus. But we can't do it alone. And church, we shouldn't do it alone. Which leads me into my next point. Influencing a generation takes a village. Now I've got another verse for you. This is Jaden from our youth collective, um, and he's going to share a verse with you.
0: Guys, I'll be reading Psalm 78, verse 4. We will not conceal from the children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and his strength and wondrous works that he has done. Awesome.
2: Now, all of Psalm 78 is a wake-up call. It's a reminder to not let history repeat itself. The prophet Asaph, the writer of Psalm 78, points out three important things that we need to pass on to the next generation in order to not repeat the mistakes of the past. Number one, it says it right there, the praises of the Lord. Number two his strength, and number three, his wondrous works that he has done. Now, we're going to dig into those uh, three things here and look at what that looks like practically. But first, we need to understand a few things about Gen Z. Now, I mentioned earlier that Gen Z is anyone born between 1994, 1995 to 2014, 2015. So your oldest is about uh, 26, and your youngest is about five or six. So that's uh, about a 20-year span there. Now, according to Angie Ritchie, the president of Life Pacific University in California, this is the first generation that is post-Christian in America. They don't know the stories and the words of the Bible, and their anxiety and depression levels are higher than other past generations. And when I read Psalm 78, 4, I wanted to pray this verse over this generation. I wanted to show them, that the, show them the things that it talks about. So let's look at those a little closer. It says, we will, not conceal from them, uh, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generations to come, the first one, the praises of the Lord. So this first one, tell them the praises of the Lord. Meaning we need to teach them that God is worthy to be praised. That they can trust in him because he won't let them down. That he is their firm foundation. That he has proven himself as our king. That he sent his one and only son to take on our sin and become the ultimate sacrifice for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Us, messed up, alone, depressed, sin encased us, simply because he loves us. And the second one, tell them his strength, meaning he has power and greatness beyond our understanding. He is who we find our identity in and who gives us purpose and calling. That he sent his Holy Spirit to us to guide us and comfort us and give us power to go to all the nations and speak his word with the boldness and confidence that would not be explained otherwise. And the third one, tell them his wondrous works that he has done meaning we need to tell them about how God rescued his people, the Israelites, from the hands of the Egyptians by parting the Red Sea and letting them walk through. How God used a shepherd boy that had never stepped foot on a battlefield to take down a giant when no one else could muster the courage. Tell them about the blind man that was restored his sight, about Lazarus that was dead but came back to life when Jesus called him. Tell them about the miracles in your life, tell them about how God provided for you when you didn't know how you were going to make ends meet tell them about the healing you witnessed the peace you felt the renewed identity tell them of his wondrous works that he has done church we can't stop speaking about who God is and what he's done they are watching they are listening and you are leaving life prints that show uh, you are leaving life prints that show these things Sorry, are you leaving life prints that show these things? Or are you leaving life prints that damage and unknowingly push them away from Jesus? We are the village. We are influencing people in every encounter we have. So how are you influencing them? This generation needs you. My final point, we need to be influenced in order to influence and I've got Riley up here, who's also a part of our youth collective. She's going to read uh, this final verse for you.
0: Philippians
2: 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is
0: lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Awesome.
2: Now, I looked into this verse a little bit as well because I wanted to know, it says, whatever is this, whatever is this, and I wanted to know a little bit deeper about what those words were. So um, it says, whatever is right, whatever is innocent, holy, whatever is pure, whatever is innocent, modest, whatever is lovely, whatever is acceptable, whatever is admirable or reputable. And then it says, think about such things, or it says, take an inventory of these things. And then Philippians 4, 9, the verse right after that says, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So in order to influence a generation, we must first be influenced. If we want to leave godly life prints on people, we need to make sure that we are allowing godly life prints to be left on us. Now, I wanted to know what the strongest influences were on a child's life. Because if a child's worldview is formed by 13, those major influences would have to be early. The number one influence for most children is their parents. Second is media. That's books, movies, games, ads, social media, all of that stuff. And third is the general authority, or what they call the general authority. And this could be either people put in authority over your child, like grandparents, teachers, babysitters, um, or just the general flow of society. So, what does society say is okay or is wrong? So, uh, for instance, if uh, which they do, most of the majority of society would agree that stealing is wrong. So, most children hearing that would assume, okay, stealing is wrong. Now, of course, we have some outliers, some people who will still that who will still steal, but we have this general uh, assumption that stealing is wrong, and usually you end up going to jail if you do it. So um, that's kind of the general authority. That's what that means there. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you allowing into your mind? Who are you listening to? When you think about your friendships, are they life-giving or life-draining? Are you influencing them or are they influencing you? Church, we need to take an inventory of what's allowed to influence us. If we aren't being influenced by whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, then how can we influence the next generation in God's ways? And students, what are you letting influence you? You have a room full of people who love you, who love the Lord and want his best for you. Are you listening to them? Are you letting them leave godly life prints on you? And students, make sure your friendships are ones that push you closer to God and not away. Make sure the things that you watch, read, and listen to are influencing you for good and not for evil. Now, I've talked a lot about the influence that adults can have on children, but students, you have influence too. You influence your friends. You influence children younger than you. So, why should it matter? Well, you're influencing people, just like our puppet show said, you're influencing people no matter what you do. So how are you going to live in a way that influences people for Jesus? To the older generations in the room, we are watching you. So tell us what God has done in your life. Show us how he's changed your life. We need you to be influenced by God so that we Uh, so that you can influence us and leave godly life prints on us. To Gen Z in the room, we need to keep watching them, keep listening to them, and be influenced by them. We need to learn from them. We need to reevaluate what we are allowing to influence us. And we need to be mindful of who we are influencing and what kind of life prints we are leaving. So I want to leave you with this, and then Brayden is going to come up and share a message with you as well. But I want to go back to that line from The Puppet Show. It says, everything you do makes an impression or life print on other people. So let's leave something worth remembering. Let's influence this generation for Jesus. Now, my hope and my prayer, and I don't know that many people in Gen Z will actually know this song, but my hope and my prayer is that this would be the anthem of this generation. If you know it, you can sing along with me.
0: Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Thank you.
3: Praise God. Ooh, it hurt. I was just thinking, my nose hurts. I was just thinking about how my child left an impression on me earlier, I think two days ago. Um, <laughs> If you want to zoom out the camera a little bit because I'm gonna do a little demonstration. This is what happened. I was laying on the couch like this. It's like, hey, Ember, and she's like, Daddy, head first, boom, right into my nose, and it just pop. Oh, it hurts so bad. It's sore today. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't know why I thought of that. But that's what came to my mind. Um, but man, did my wife do an amazing job. Like, she is so awesome. I love that woman. I just want to recap. Kind of what she talked about, um, and just briefly, just the importance of a healthy and positive influence in our young people's lives. Even myself, and how much I need that, and our young people in here, we need that. She pointed out how there's always someone watching us, and we're always influencing others. If you're a kid, a youth, a young adult, or an adult, there are people watching, no matter what age. I'm, I'm influenced by some of you, even who are younger than me, Ava. Just today, awesome! didn't you awesome on the worship team? Like, Ava was amazing. But Ava, you have such you have such a real faith, and you just say where you're at, and you're just so honest, there's no fake in it with you. Such an influence on me. Or Kira, um, Kira Hardin. It's just an influence on me. To, she brings the joy of the Lord. Even in hard times, she's always just full of joy and laughter and, and always get, brings a smile to my face. They're influencing me by just being around me. Either they're younger than me or older than me. You guys are influencing me. So... So live a life as an example of Jesus and let people who look up up to you see Jesus in you, the love, the joy, the patience, and the hope of the Lord. But I want to talk about that a little deeper for just a little bit. So my question is, out of those people in your realm of influence, who are you walking with? There's a difference between living a life that reflects Jesus for people to look up to and walking with them. I mean, it's what Jesus asks us to do. Matthew 28:18 through 20, it says Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been giving all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always until the end of the age. Who are you teaching? Who are you showing? Who are you encouraging? Who are you walking through hard things with? Who are you praying for in your life? I've had so many people that I look up to influence me that create a great impression on my life by just watching the way they do things. But however, the people that really made an impact on my life or help, that helped me to where I am today are family, peers, mentors that made a conscious decision to make time to meet with me, to walk with me, to encourage me, to challenge me. Now, it's not easy to challenge me. <laughs> Pastor Dan, no, this when I get when I get challenged. My first reaction in my flesh is like Defensiveness. But then I know, I'm like, well, I know he loves me. And I know I'm changed, and it changes me. The people in my life, when they challenge me in a loving and encouraging way, I just, I grow from it. So they, they encourage me, they challenge me, they pray for me. They're listening to me when I'm hurting. They're walking with me. Church, they're teaching me how to become a healthy and effective disciple of Jesus. They're pointing me more towards Christ. They're doing exactly what Jesus commands us to do in Matthew 28. Without people like that, I would probably not be even a Christian today without those people in my life that have influenced me, that have walked with me, that have discipled me. A couple of those people, I mean, there's someone in my life. So I was in um, college, and I came back, and I was like, I feel like God might be calling me to ministry, I don't know. And I was really kind of, well, maybe it was just myself, or maybe it was the Lord. And I was at Northwest and uh, helping out there for the summer. And Andy Murray, who was the youth pastor for seven years, he felt like the Lord asked him to talk to me, and he said, hey, why don't you come live with me? Why don't you walk? I want to walk with you. I want to do life with you. I want to teach you what I know. I want to just show you what I know. And that has changed my life and my trajectory of my life forever because he made a conscious decision to walk with me. Not just say, well, I'm acting like Jesus, and so he can see that. But no, I actually feel like the Lord's putting you on my heart to walk with through hard things. When you mess up, I'm there for you. I'm there to encourage you, lift you up. Even my peers, peers around me, Ryan Chavez, him, just looking up to him, he has such an authentic love for Jesus. I just look at him, and that's why, just the influence of him. But he also chooses to text me, to say, hey, can we meet? I want to talk to you. How are you doing? And just encourage me and, and disciple me in that way. Um, will ross i mean he 's meeting with me every week to read the Bible with me, and he just encourages me and challenges me to dig deeper into the Bible where I just want to read surface level and there 's just so many people in my life, and I could name there's, there can name so many there 's parents, grandparents, peers, pastors that have taken time to really walk with me because of these people who are faithful to the call of Jesus. I am closer to Jesus than I ever would have been without them and if you are struggling today. Young person or adult, it's hard. It's hard right now. If you're a young person and you're struggling, if you're an adult in here and you're struggling, it's hard. But I urge you to seek out that community. Seek out discipleship. It's okay to seek it. Seek out a person who you can walk life with. It's okay to ask. It's sometimes awkward. You feel like they have to come up to you. But for me, I, I was Pastor Dan was a, was a great example of this for my life. As I was at Northwest and... And I was in class with him, and he, he was my teacher. And I heard the Holy Spirit kind of like puts up like, "Hey, you need to you need to like ask get coffee with him. You need to learn from him." I didn't know the guy. <laughs> like it was the first class. I was like, "I'm not doing that." So the whole class went by. I didn't do it. I I, didn't, I was like, "That's weird. He's gonna think I'm crazy." Uh, and then the next next semester, he was my teacher again, and the Lord just kept putting down my heart. And I so finally I went up and said, "Pastor Dan, I just need to meet with you. I need to learn from you. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know." And then he just said, "Okay." And he walked with me, he encouraged me, he talked to me, and eventually I just decided, I was like, man, I feel like I need to follow this guy, and I need to learn from him. And there's people in your life, I just, I just pray if you're struggling, to seek out that person. But here's the thing, I've been discipled, and I have been mentored, and walking, but, so, but why? Why, why? What's the point? Why, why am I doing that? So I can then mentor and disciple others. That's why I've been disciple. I should use it to help others. So in my life, I need to ask God: Who do you want me to walk with? Who are you calling me to meet with? Who are you calling me to pour time and energy? It's a sacrifice into. Who Who is it? So here's a challenge: Adults, us young people, we need you. We need you. Kids, youth, young adults, we need your wisdom. We need your love, we need your encouragement, we need your prayer, we need your knowledge, we need you to walk with us. Not just tell us that this, what this generation is doing wrong and all the things that are wrong with this generation and walk away, because we get too much of that, and we know. But to walk us through the mess, that no matter, even if we mess up, even if we disappoint you to no end, that you would walk with us. Because guess what? Someone probably walked with you. To do, to do what so many have done for me, they They've to walk with me through the mess, and to do what so many have done for me is point me to Jesus. Make time to meet with those the Lord puts on your heart. And young people, we not only need to let ourselves be discipled, but we should be seeking out those peers or people in our lives that we can share Jesus with, who we can encourage, who you can just pray for, who you can read the Bible with, walk life together. Young people, we are so much stronger in community. Who is in your life that you can, you can do that with, that you can pray for and encourage? It's not, just, it's not just the adults. We can do it too. So worship team, will you come on up as we are getting ready to close the service? So life spring, we are all influencing others. There are people looking up to us. Who are we reflecting to our peers, to our children? This generation needs the influence from the older generation. We all look up to you. As younger people, we, who are we betraying to our friends and our siblings and the people around us? Are we shining the light of Jesus? How are we? As young people, are we shining the light of Jesus to our friends and siblings and people around us? And also, if you're a Christian, who are you walking with? Who are you discipling? And I'm not just talking about discipling the people who are easy, who are convenient, the people who are already Christians. I'm talking about the person that God puts on your heart to say, this person needs you to walk with him in life. Adults, what young person are you walking with? What young person are you walking with? We need this next generation, including me, to carry the name of Jesus well. And that only happens if we all play our part. So, I want to leave you with this. Imagine 50 of you met with one person, young and old. Then, that person you met with met with another person, and then met with another person. And you just see that you just discipleship process of you meet with someone, that person learns and meets with somebody else, and it just goes on. Then, what do we see? We see a revival. We see a revival, church. Then we see Jesus radically change this next generation and this current generation. Because we need it. But that's going to take work. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take you walking with somebody like somebody has walked with you. I wouldn't be here today without the people walking in my life. I, I wouldn't be here with the people who haven't, who haven't put, poured into my life. So who are we discipling? We are disciples who make disciples. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I, I just, Lord, I just thank you for our kids, first off. What a blessing. What a blessing they are. Just even their influence and their joy of the Lord. that We, could, we can learn so much from our children. We can learn so much from them. Lord, would they just know that they're loved. That there is a God in heaven who loves them, who made them. That has a plan for their life. Lord, for all of us in here, remind us that we have influence. There are people watching us. So are we going to leave godly life, Prince? Or are we going to leave worldly life, Prince? Because this world needs Jesus. We need Jesus. Lord, I just pray right now that you put someone on our heart to walk with. Lord, who are you calling us to walk with? Who are you calling us to do life with? Holy Spirit, I just pray that you point out to us who that is. That each person would have just a, a, a picture of a person in their, in their head. That they would go, hey, I'll just... See if I can pray with them or we can read the Bible again. Whatever it looks like, Lord. So we thank you. We thank you for this morning. Would you remind us to carry your name well? And, Lord, would we just, we just want to see this next generation just grow up to be strong in you. We want a revival, Lord. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen.